0: You are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek.
1: Well, hi, everybody. This is Melissa, and mm, he's not here today. (laughs) So we are getting ready for Summit, and we also need to get these podcasts done. So I'm actually cheating and doing one without Dane. Don't tell him. He'll never listen, so he'll never know. Anyway, I really adore doing this with my husband. It's been a very sweet project for us. He has been the wind beneath my wings for many years, and just is not a glory seeker. He's much more extroverted than I am, but he's certainly not the one out there trying to get the public to talk to him in any way. And at expos and such, when he's backing me up, they'll get in conversations and he still refers to me and talks about my work and all of that. If you can't tell from the podcast, he's an extraordinary person and I love him dearly. But I thought today I would tell a story about a particular horse and a lesson that I've learned recently about this horse and the rare bond that this horse and I have. So, if you will allow me to, without Dane's humor and our playfulness, I'd love to tell you the story of Gabriel. So, in 2011, I had an applicant to our program who I really wanted in the program. She had several horses that she was supporting, and she's a breeder of beautiful paint horses. So, she approached me about the program and really just couldn't buy hay and food and care for all her horses and do our program. And she asked me if I was looking for a horse, which I was not. And at the time I said, well, you you know, possibly a gelding, you know, what have you got? And she sent me pictures of a beautiful tricolor paint. He's buckskin, white and black. He's really a beautiful horse with these incredible eyes that are unique, hard for me to put words around what his eyes look like when you look into them, almost uh, see-through, tawny brown, just really beautiful. And I was curious about him and I knew I wanted this woman in to my program. I knew she had the value that I was looking for for the program, so we made a trade for part of the program in exchange for Gabriel. So he came to live with us at my home in Boulder and he did pretty well with the work right away, the different types of work we were doing and the different things we were doing. And he would go to our back paddock, we had two small back paddocks for turnout, and he would go back there and he did a lot of whinnying and screaming and crying to the other horses he liked being in a group. So later, we moved out here. We've been out here on our farm in Elizabeth for a little over seven years now. And we moved out here to get the big pastures for the horses. That's what was missing in our life. We wanted them to have acres and acres and acres to run around on. So we moved all of them up here. I would say his best friend in my herd was my beloved black and white paint, QT. And QT was a stallion till he was eight years old. He's kept a lot of stud characteristics for many years. And now he's 22, so he's up there in age. But for a long time, when we turned Gabriel and QT out together, they did really well, but it was very clear QT was the dominant. It was QT's way or the highway, and Gabe had deep respect for QT, no issues there. As we grew the herd in that particular pasture, we've got five different pastures, and as we grew the herd in that one from that barn, and as time has gone on, Gabriel became the dominant, and it wasn't easy for me to watch. I loved Gabe, I still love Gabe. And yet my QT, it's like my own aging, you know, it was a look at how things change, how we go from being top dog with the fitness that he had as a stallion and later as a gelding and the priority that he's been in this barn. And then to see him back off away from Gabriel when Gabe gave him the stink eye was a little crushing for me, I think for QT too. But they worked it out as horses do. And they lived out there copacetically for quite a while. We've had different mares and different geldings added into that group. We had a big, beautiful quarter horse gelding, thoroughbred quarter horse that belonged to a gal that was working for me. And he was older also, just a really gorgeous horse. And he was more introverted. He kind of kept to himself. He'd let QT and Gabe work out the details <laughs> and he'd try to stay out of the fray. And we've had different mares. We had a gal that worked for us here and lived on the ranch, her mare, Hope uh was out there and Hope definitely was a mare and she prioritized both those boys and settled them both down. They'd get arguments over her and she would be very clear, look, I'm not real interested in either of you guys. So just kind of let me do my thing. And then we have our beautiful uh, mare out there now that belongs to Amanda and she's 32 years old. So she is our queen. She's our old girl. And very important that she gets her space and she's very safe. And QT is great with her. So time rolls on and we're doing fine. And Gabriel ha- continued to knock it out of the park with my students coaching and with my coaching. He was a rock star. All the students have stories about, remember when Gabriel did this or that or this or that. And I'll say a little, few little details on him in a moment. But... Funny enough, um, one of my graduates, who's a very dear friend of mine, had lost her second horse. She had two and she lost her second one through old age. She had always taken great care of Annie, but Annie had gotten older. And so she approached me to purchase Gabriel. Gabriel. And I don't sell my horses. They really, it's very rare that I move one through if they're happy here, and if they're happy with me, and if they're happy with the work, I don't. If they really need to uh, move on because they're going to be better someplace else, or they make a commitment with someone else, then I go ahead and let them move on. Well, anyway, I love her. I know she takes good care of her horses, so I sell her Gabriel. And... At the time, she lived in the summertime in Michigan, on her place there, and in the wintertime in Arizona. She actually stayed on my Arizona ranch. So Gabriel loads in the trailer. She's excited to have him. He's off to Michigan, and he does okay for her, and he mixes with her gelding okay, but not great. So right off the bat, he wasn't being very cooperative, and... He then came back with her, stopped at my place here in Colorado on his way to Arizona. He went down to Arizona for the winter. Lucky lucky pony, right? He goes down there. She, she gets to know him better. We decided, you know, he just needs to, to get to know you, you know, be apart from me and my group and my home and, and get to know you. So she continues to have hope for him, bonding with her. So then she comes back through here and every time she came in and out of here, Gabriel thought he was back home. He'd be all excited and the next day or two when she was ready to go, she'd load him back up and he'd leave. And the a couple of times when she hauled him, he trembled so much in the trailer while trailering him. She was really worried he was going to call it, make himself sick. So long story short, he's not working out for her. <laughs> he's just not working out for her. And I had taken on another horse, so I wasn't interested in taking him back at that point. And so she traded him. I was, I did care where he went. So she traded him to a horse matchmaking service that we have in Touch by a Horse. A woman and her husband do a phenomenal job finding horses and matching them with the right people in our human herd that will be good partners for him. So she takes him, trades Bethany for another horse, and now I know he's with this woman, Casey. So, next thing I know, Casey places him in the dream place for this horse, which was Montana up of my good friend, Jude Voltsess. So he's on his way to Montana. I was so happy for him because I knew he'd be on this beautiful 30,000 acre Montana ranch. He'd have 650 acres that he and the herd run around on at night. And when they're not coming up to be ridden or coming up to work, he'd have this big herd to, to be with. I just thought it was going to work out great. And June has professional wranglers who are excellent riders, we just we all thought this was going to be a match for her and I was very excited cuz I work up at June's for my retreat and I thought well good I'll get to work with Gabriel again when I'm up at June's So this summer he'd been out of my hands for almost 3 years and this summer he was up at June's and I was excited to pull in and see him I pulled in I said how is he doing for you June
0: Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the Magic of Horses. Our Equine Facilitator Program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business, hosting group experiences with horses,
1: she said, "Well, not that great really. He he doesn't really respond. He doesn't seem to want to do the gestalt work. He doesn't really get along with most of the horses in the herd, and he's kind of at the bottom of the pecking order. And he he just doesn't seem happy." So, I make my way down to the paddock where all the horses were, and I see him and uh, he sees me and he comes down and he ends up with a, what I think of as a high response to me, just like, where have you been? What did I do? How do I get back home? <laughs> you know, What's the deal here? Whatever I did wrong, I'll never do it again. Can I just go home, please? So I worked with him at my women's retreat and he really didn't want to do the gestalt work. It was like he was just um, shut down and I want to preface this by saying June takes extraordinary care of her horses. They're all brushed all the time, pristine. I mean, they have the life of Riley. They're all fat and they look great and they're fit and well taken care of. And here was Gabriel with kicks and marks all over him that he had never had before, getting humbling from her herd. And I have no doubt he deserved it because he tried to be a bully, I'm sure, with some of her horses that said, "Um, excuse me, Jack, but no, you're not on top. So I reach out to June and I said, June, number one, you're my dear friend. I don't want you to be stuck with a horse that isn't working for you in the riding string and he's not working for you in the gestalt work. So that doesn't work for you. But number two, I just got the feeling he just isn't happy unless he can come home to me. So she laughed, said absolutely, and we arranged a deal. I sent her a check, and uh, Casey, the horse matchmaker, was going up to Canada to pick up a horse of her own. She swung through Montana and brought him home. So he came home the day before Dane and I went to... Uh, Coronado for the month of August. So my ranch hand and very able trainer, uh, Amanda, worked with Gabe for that month, just just keeping him by himself, not with other horses, helping him get healthy again, and helping him realize you are home, Gabe. You're really, truly home. Nobody's going to put you in a trailer and take you anywhere. You are home. By the time I got home September 2nd to see him, he laid his head on my chest, closed his eyes, so happy to see me. And the very first opportunity I had at a teaching Uh, what we call core trainings. I brought him into the arena and he was like deep, big breath and did three pieces of extraordinary, what we refer to as gestalt work with the horses. Just knocked it out of the park. He was brilliant. And uh, so we're happy, happy, happy to have Gabe home. Uh, We won't add him into that pasture with QT Uh, while Molly is here because this 32-year-old Mayor Molly needs all of the gentleness that she can muster. So she and QT are doing well. So Gabe's in the pasture next to them. He runs the fence line with QT. He's having fun. Uh, He goes into our upper pasture sometimes. That's where he'll be over our summit uh, that we're preparing for now. And just really um, an interesting uh, saga for him. And I think for me, when I made reference that there are lessons that I still learn about horses, I always try to make sure. Remember, I was a breeder, I have moved lots of horses that have been born on my farms, that have been in my show barns, that have been sold at shows or whatever. I do my best to make sure the home they're going to is very, very, very legit. And, uh, that, that somebody that will take care of them, the average horse in the United States changes hands seven times, seven different families. We don't do that to dogs, but we do it to horses. And so I do the very best I can to keep track of the colts that were my stallions, to keep track of horses that have been in my barn, to make sure they're getting the best life, you know, that they possibly can. And I had no doubt Gabriel was in not one, not two, but three homes who took incredibly good care of him. <laughs> the right food, the right brushing, the right love, the right respect, the right energy. I mean, there was nothing any of the three did wrong with the horse at all. And he was a completely different horse for all three of them than he was for me. So I think of that as a soul connection. And um, I'm happy Gabe's back and I'm happy he's wanting to work and that he's a happy horse again. So I guess we just never know, uh, really, even with all the experience that I have, we never really know their vote until afterwards. And he didn't vote no in the beginning. He voted no once he got there. So (laughs) it's just an interesting um, story with him. He is, people ask me all the time about what exactly the horses do in my work He is what I call a pantomimer, so he has many, many, many wonderful stories of his work to tell, but I'll tell this one. Uh, It's fairly recent, about mm, maybe six months before Bethany took Gabriel. We were doing some filming, so I have it on film, and it's really a profound what we call piece of work, had a young mom here. She had three children when she was very, very young. Her first child she had at 15, her second at 17, her third at 19. And sadly, all three were with her husband, who she married at 15, who was extremely physically abusive with her. So much so that after her third child was born, police were involved. She had had enough He went to prison and stayed there for a long time. That is not normally how that goes, sadly. Uh, America pulls the couple apart, tells him to stay away. You have to be super abusive uh, to get prison time, and I wish it were different than that, actually, but that was her situation, and I'm glad that he had to serve all of that time. He's a very, very dangerous man. So she had three daughters, and her tale that she told me, her story that she shared with me and the group that was with her about him, um how abusive he was. Here was a child having a child, right? And she'd be in the home with this newborn baby. And when he came home, it, he was just a tyrant, big and loud and pushed her around. And it was very difficult. She has a second baby with him, he continues to be very abusive. Now she's still a child, 17, can't support herself, two babies. What's she going to do? And he won't allow birth control. She has a third girl, third child. Well, after the third one came along, she had had it you know, with all of that. And she set the boundary with him and enforced the law and he went away. So so that was her tale. So I built in my round pen doing this piece of work with her. There's several pieces of it I won't go into, but this one piece was Gabriel's <laughs> really impressive piece. I have these sort of flower boxes. Think of like jump poles, but they're a little taller than jump poles and they have flowers coming out the top of them. And I built, uh, they're six feet long, I built a six by six by six box and asked her to uh, have one of the group members be posing as her first child and her and her first child to step into the box as their home. So she did. And I'm speaking to her. And Gabriel is loosening the pen on the outside of the box and walking around and looking at the box. He hears me. I say, so you're this child with a little infant. Did you feel intimidated? Were you frightened having a baby? And she talks about how she had sort of a child's way of looking at a child and she loved her daughter so much and she just wanted her to have the best of everything and all of that. And here comes Gabriel, he comes over, he takes his hoof and his foreleg, and he moves the log forward so he could make a doorway to go into the box with her. He doesn't step over it, he literally opens the door and walks into the box and takes his body, and he side passes over very slowly, but he side passes over toward her. She and the girl playing her daughter are squished into this little corner. Now, they could have stepped out of the box, but people don't. A box is a mental thing, right? They're standing there and he's right there. And I said, wow, that looks pretty intimidating. Is that the way it felt when your husband came home when you were 15? and tears are pouring down her face. She says, exactly. That's exactly how it felt. Like he's home. We need to hide, get as small as we can. Gabriel steps out of the little house and is walking around in the pen. And I asked her to have her second daughter come in. So she has her second daughter come in the house. And I said, you know, one baby's a lot of work. Two babies? Wow. Nobody tells you it feels like having five all of a sudden. Always one of them wants something, right? And she laughed. She said, absolutely. It was amazing how much they both needed and always at different times. And I don't remember sitting down a lot, but I do remember my husband expected dinner on the table at a certain time and the house to be clean and the laundry to be done. And anything not done would really anger him. And right on cue, Gabriel comes around, reopens the front door to the house, walks into the house. And just start slowly side passing all three women from the center of the house to the corner. So now they're, they're in the corner again. And he's standing there all proud of himself and like a big bully. And so I said, is this, did this behavior continue? When your second child was, absolutely, she says, he terrified me. It actually got worse. It escalated. He was actually more abusive. So now she, he steps out of the house and I ask her to have her third daughter come in. Well, her third daughter comes in. And without me saying anything, she's got the three kids. She places her body between the front of the house and the back, she's got them kind of protected in the back corner in a sense. And this horse was not going to harm her. I'm saying he was embodying the bad husband, right? So he comes, he opens the door again, he goes in and she, they get crowded and she pushes on him. She's not a horseman. She pushes on him and she goes, move over. We need room here too. Just move over. You're being, you're being rude. Move over. And she shoves on him and Gabriel steps out of the house. And I said, wow, that's what I believe you did when your third daughter was an infant. And she looked at me so surprised. She goes, it is what I did. Oh my gosh, that is when I just drew the line and said, this can't go on. We can't have the police at our door for you having beaten me anymore. I'm done. And so then Gabriel moved way away. He was on the other side of the pen. She came out. We finished doing some more processing around what had happened. Gabriel comes up, stops about eight feet from her. And I said, can you welcome my horse Gabriel to you because he does not feel that way towards you. And he came over, was super kind with her and she was able to pet him and hug him. And he was very gentle and respectful with her that way. So Gabriel has what I call in horses a clairsentience and an ability to understand the objective of my work and understand what way could he assist my client in experiencing what they need to let go of. And from this piece of enactment, she went on to do the gestalt part of the piece of letting go of everything she had held on to for all those years. Her girls at the time of that filming were 19, 17, and 15. So a lot of years had gone by. So anyway, long story, but that's just a very small picture. I hope you can get it by the way I said it, the type of things that horses can do in this work and when they're fully your partner and they're fully engaged in the story, how much they understand in their own intuition, and their own brain and can offer forward in the pantomime. So, well, I do miss my partner Dane today. I will say that he's out getting the last minute details done for our big summit. So I'm recording this actually on the 18th of September on a Sunday afternoon, beautiful day outside. We begin our um, summit summit circus on Tuesday and we start welcoming people in and doing all the things we need to do. We have a lot of people coming to it and we're really excited about it. So my guess is this podcast will probably air during our summit. I don't know. So thank you so much for listening. I want to thank Hope Through Horses, uh, who will be at our summit, for all of the support they give Touch by a Horse, one of which is a partial sponsor of this podcast. Thank you you all so much hope you have a blessed day look forward to seeing you again with my partner Dane really soon and I hope you love my husband a little bit I love him a lot (laughs) bye
0: Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.